So gents, we've got back on for the second time, Peter Licarinus. Now, Peter, for anyone that didn't hear the first episode, has been investing in property for two decades plus. The great thing about property investing is there's such a huge variety of different strategies. There's always something that will work in any market. But he also runs a lot of different investing training, investing coaching, management, all different types of strategy investing for seasoned investors, new investors, people that are looking to effectively have a soundboard. So on a daily basis, he's talking with maybe up to 10 different landlords. So he's going to find out exactly what's going on in the market, what people are looking for very, very quickly. He's also very, very passionate. So I think if you're listening to this podcast today, you're going to enjoy it. It's going to be some serious passion, um, maybe some controversial opinions as well coming in from Pete or ourselves, but I'm absolutely buzzing to get Pete in again for the second time. Mike, anything in particular that you're looking to uh, ask Pete on this particular episode? Yeah, absolutely. Pete talks to different people than who we talk to, speaks to a very specific type of investor. So I'm up for asking him the question I get asked at every social occasion, which is, how's the market, Pete? Just to see how many how many investors are registering, who he's talking to, whether it's hot, whether lots of people are buying, whether everyone's getting out of the market. So the other thing to say about Pete is his Instagram. Absolutely amazing Instagram. If you're not following Pete's Instagram by the end of this conversation, I think you're mad. Yeah, at, at Peter Licarinus, I would imagine it is. And check out the show notes for that particular spelling. Tristan? For me, definitely Pete is a man of knowledge. He's always available to answer any questions that I've had over the years. And like he said, two decades worth of experience and his excitement and knowledge in property is just unbelievable. But for me, it would be definitely to find out how he predicts what's going on with the property market over the next six, 12 months um, and really see if his um, ideal investment has changed or whether it's still the same as from our last show. Let's get him on. So Peter, thanks for joining us on the Landlord Page podcast. Looking forward to getting stuck into, I don't know, we might put you on the spot with some predictions to what happens with the property market. Um, but generally speaking, how are you? How is business? I'm, I'm amazing. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, being in the property market and the property industry is always fun and games. Yeah. Um, and uh, the last six months since I think we last met and spoke uh, on the podcast has definitely been the same, but equally as exciting and equally as rewarding as the last six months and the last 20 years. Yes, it's, it's <clears throat> bonkers is the word we use at HQ quite a lot, don't we, guys? And I think now we're about to hit that kind of second half of 2022. So people are starting to think, right, how's the year going to end? what's going to happen next year in the market. But probably, Mike, the base rate has been one of the big topics in recent months because it's gone up twice in two months. It hasn't drastically changed for buy-to-let mortgages, but we were talking this morning about what we think might happen for investors. Is it still more investors selling than buying at the moment? There's still a lot of people cashing in, but it depends what you term as a, an investor. I think there's a lot of landlords cashing in, but there's a huge amount, a huge percentage of landlords who aren't what I would define as investors. They just came across a buy to let property 10 years down the line, that property's doubled in value and they see it as a good opportunity to cash in. Yeah. They're not, they're not really professional property investors uh -oh. who are, who are taking their money out right now. And your network, Pete, is your, your friends, your contacts, your network you've built over the years is, is very much in different segments of property investing. Are you seeing more of those aggressively buying at the moment or selling? Um, I, I am. I would say the main difference or the main change I've seen over the past 12 months um, is I would probably get 
via LinkedIn, email, websites, one way or another, up to 100, 150 inquiries a month from people that want to be investors or, or would class themselves as investors. The main change for me, that's probably gone down to around 25 to, to 40. Okay. But those 25 to 40 are serious investors that have money um, or asset um, and they want to invest seriously right now. These, they see now as the biggest opportunity in years to invest in property. So for me, there's less people potentially risking getting into property investing that don't really understand what they're doing. Yeah. But sh- sh- the seasoned investors, the people with more money, the more successful people I'm finding are wanting to invest and, and invest heavily quickly. Mm, interesting stuff. <clears throat> and is there a particular kind of trend, just generally speaking, obviously you've got your profession and your area of property investing, but just generally speaking, do you find there's a certain type of property people are looking to invest? Are they going new builds, older? Are they doing refurbs and refinance? Or what's the kind of go-to at the moment? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I find people are starting to look at a, a, apartments as burdens to some extent. Um, rather than wise investments, potentially because you can add more value mm-hmm. and make more va- money from a house. Yeah, I think new homes, the way the new homes market's gone from from my perspective is I think new home prices have gone up considerably because they're easier to buy. They're easier to buy, especially for first time yeah. buyers. Um, so for me, the, the new home market um, isn't an area where I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, hearing and talking about property investing at the moment. Um, but for me, it's about adding value. Um, the buy to let market we know has been quiet for, for many years. Um, the different types of HMO markets seem to be obviously still very, very busy, whether that's student accommodation, blue collar professionals, care. Um, and I think that will continue. Um, but other areas as well, just simply buying a property <clears throat> to add value, to potentially then rent it out for a number of years, remortgage, take your money out and repeat whilst getting a really strong yield is very popular. Development, obviously, there's big opportunities to buy commercial units and uh, convert it into residential. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, I'm doing a project myself in Berkshire, um, where we're uh, converting a post office into into a big house um, and building a a property in the the back garden. So that's quite exciting. I know a lot of people are looking at those sorts of sites. Mm. Obviously, land and development in general is very popular, but I, I think a lot of people are looking at that at the moment as well. So, yeah, yeah the great thing about property investing is there's such a huge variety of different strategies. There's always something that will work in any market. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, you've been to quite a few um, investor sort of meetings and networking events recently, Tristan, and um, some of the ones that I've been to, to with you, it's been quite interesting, the different types of projects people are working on, such a variety in property. People just see buy to let and they often think flat, small house, you know, young tenant, move them in. Maybe there's some problems here and there. And, and that's the classic kind of thought of it. But there's so many angles out there at the moment. It's quite exciting to see where people are putting their money, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like you said, there's so many options out there um and the money that can be made from it as well is incredible um sitting down with with some of the investors there it's really shocked me to be honest with you yeah. i mean i've worked with many different landlords within the industry but some of them there have got portfolios of 150 200 units and they're buying sites um some of them are buying commercial units and converting them but yeah there's so much opportunity out there yeah definitely and i think you have to stack it up as we're talking about investing so people are either doing it for monthly gains or they're doing it for long-term gains. But I think you have to put property against 
the competition, don't you, in reality? And the competition is things like the stock market, um, is the things like Forex, crypto, and stuff like that. At the Bitcoin. Bitcoin. I mean, <laughs> wow. Do we mention that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, you know, a, a digital drawing of a monkey sounds fantastic, but people have lost a lot of money on those monkeys recently. So property seems to be the safe place to put your money at the moment. Well, well I think if I look back on 23 years in property and the, the ups and downs, the booms, the crashes, um, one thing's for sure, property prices continue to go up. And if you're clever when you buy, yeah, um, I, I think it's the safest way to invest your money. And when I say when you're clever when you buy, it was some, one of the first things I was taught about property investment. You make your money when you buy, not when you sell. Um, and when you put that into context, if you're buying a property and you've potentially got a plan A, B and C for it, if you're looking at a property where you can potentially negotiate a little bit below market value tick, if you can add value to it, tick. If it's in an area which you know is up and coming, tick. Uh, if you know it's a type of property that could potentially be rented out as a multi-room or HMO, tick. If it's a property that could potentially be developed, tick. You know, there's there's a way you can buy a property with, uh, you know, three or four different ways you can make money or you can change that investment. And mm. for me, when you look at property that way and you work with experts in the industry, then it's very actually very difficult to lose money when yeah. you invest in property. You've said that a couple of times at the moment. It, you know, you, if you're investing in, in property at the moment, it's going to be pretty hard not to make it work with the rates, the rental prices, um, the mortgage scenarios at the moment. It's going to be hard not to make it work. It's been impossible to fail for probably three years now because house prices, by the time you've actually completed on your purchase, it's it's gone up by 10 or 15,000 pounds, which probably gives a lot of people a false impression to people that they're all an, all an expert investor because by the time they get the keys, they've, yeah. they've made back half their deposit. Um, it's not always that easy. And it's, it's quite interesting that you're seeing the same correlation as we are, that the experienced investor is both feet in, whereas the casual investor is a little bit away from the market at the moment. And for the same as you, it's looking to build value in the minute you purchase the property. When I was buying more buy-to-lets than I am now, I was looking at repossessions in Reading at a time where Reading was growing, but the market was touchy because I knew if I bought a repossessed property, by the time it completed, there was already my 10, 15% had come back to me because I'm buying something that no one else wants to touch. Um, and that works for me really fast, really quickly. and I, I saw the exit. I saw the, the gain on exit because they were leasehold properties that really go up in value, but already bought value. So it didn't matter that the housing market hadn't gone anywhere because I'd bought repossessed, which meant by default, I was buying slightly under market value. So that was my tactic 10 years ago or so, whereas now that's hard to find in the Southeast. So people are moving uh -huh. on to your freehold properties where you can extend them, you can improve them, you can refurbish them, you can make them better, I think. Interesting stuff. So th this morning I popped down to the local print room. I needed to collect something. And the lady that greeted me there said, oh, you're the avocado guy. She's obviously on Facebook. Um, and I said, yeah, yeah. She said, oh, we're going to be selling our property in about two years. Do you think I should do it now? Or do you think it's going to be worth more or less in two years? Which... Everyone's got their own view on what comes next, but without me influencing or anyone else, I'd just love to get kind of your take. We won't hold you to it unless you <laughs> yes, get you bang will. on. We are recording this, yeah, though. I mean, it's, so. it's going to be somewhere on the internet. <laughs> There's two answers to that. 
Um, the first answer and the most important answer is it doesn't matter. If you're investing in property and you're looking to buy property now, it doesn't matter what happens in two years. Um, if you buy the right property, you're still going to be a successful investor. You're still going to be happy with the purchase and you're still going to make a lot of money. Mm. Um, so anyone listening who's thinking about investing, worried about what the market's going to do in the next two years, it doesn't matter. Um, to answer your question so you can hold me to it on the, on the next <laughs> podcast, um, I think there will be a correction in prices. Um, I don't think there'll be a crash. Uh, I think to use that word would be naive and stupid, but I do think there'll be a correction. I think with the cost of living, um, don't know whether it's a crisis, um, but ch changing the way we're living at the moment um, in lots of different things that will change. The, the property prices we all know have gone up considerably, mm. even through, throughout COVID. Um, I think there might be a slowing down in some areas of the market. I've personally seen it in probably the lowest stock end uh, uh, most recently, which I think will affect, will affect the, the higher stock over the next few months. Um, I think there will be a correction. I think we might see property prices level out and come down between 5 and 10%. Um, but if you were to ask me what my prediction would be for the next five years, I would probably say in the next five years, property prices will be at least 15% higher than they are today. Interesting. Yeah. So there might be something that happens medium term at some point, whether it's a year, two years, 18 months, three years. And over a longer term perspective of five, six years, things will carry on as normal. Like we've known forever in the property market. We've all kind of been in here in this room in it for a couple of decades at least. And you, you see that prices typically go up. So it's a good way of looking at it. If you're wise enough, I think you'll use any changes in the property market to your advantage. Um, we were talking about making your money on property when you buy right at the beginning. And I think if you thought about changes in the market when you buy, you're ready for it. So we all know um, the rental market at the moment is, is going, you know, it's going crazy, really. I mean, prices have gone up, in my opinion, this year, more on the rental side than the sales side. Yeah. Um, the demand for good quality housing is huge. I was at a Bracknell Council meeting last night and they were talking about the demand for housing in Bracknell is so, so huge now. Um, and they just haven't got enough housing. Uh, and I think that's like that across Berkshire and Surrey for sure. Um, so rental prices are going up. So, you know, if you've got an old buy to let you've been lazy with, have you thought about, you know, a multi-room, a HMO? Have you thought about changing structure and increasing that revenue because of the demands there? Um, if you've got a tired buy to let or a tired HMO, have you thought about investing in some money in that to upgrade your tenant and upgrade the, the income you get? Um, if property prices do come down, uh, that's when the serious investors will will really take action. Um, and negotiate harder to, to get better deals because they know long term they're, they're only going to win. So I do honestly think whatever the property market brings over the next two years, it's just bringing opportunity and abundance. Yeah, yeah. And everyone looks <clears throat> at the curve. Some people are strong and they can manage to get in as it hits the bottom, but not everyone can. Some people get on on the way back up. And sometimes it's just that the press release data and they look at st stats in different ways to how someone else might look at it. If, if the market was growing 10% last year, 
and this year it's only growing 2%, someone might say, well, it's 8% slower than it was last year. Well, no, it's still 2% up. It's just not as quick as it was last year. So it's sometimes a bit of a manipulation of data as well for, for the public to, to look at. But I think one thing is my view on property investing at the moment, when you see you know, a joke about crypto and Forex and stock market and things like that, but they've not done fantastically well since the pandemic and property has done very well. So I think it is a safe bet and savings is another thing to talk about. You know, if you've got your money in savings at the moment, you're losing money. We saw a statistic, didn't we, where I can't remember the exact numbers, but if you had a hundred grand in a <coughs> savings account 10 years ago and not touched it, it's worth 90 grand or something like that in today's money in reality. You'd be lucky for that by the end of this year with inflation, with the way real term, yeah. what your £100,000 is worth by the end of this year, it would be lucky to see it be worth 90 just on just on shopping and, and, and fuel bills, frankly. So yeah. people have got to use the money wisely to supplement incomes in some ways. And one thing for the market that, that we, we need to address is I've just just this week rented a two bedroom flat in the middle of Bracknell for one thousand three hundred pounds, and it blows my mind that and it's all right. It's a nice flat. It's modern. It's you know it's good stock to rent. That someone's willing, not just one person was willing to rent it for one thousand three hundred. Five people were willing to rent it for one thousand three hundred. One person offered me one three fifty, and still didn't get it. And people walking through the front door going, "Mike, yeah, it's reasonably priced, isn't it?" And, and in my head, it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. an absolute farce how expensive it is. So I don't see. Whilst <clears throat> other things will affect house prices, there's all these people who are stuck in rentals paying one thousand three hundred pounds for a two bed flat who would dream of paying seventy sixty percent of that on a mortgage. So if house prices come down, it unlocks the the, the world to all of these tenants who would love to buy something because. The, the mortgage rate will still be that much cheaper for them than renting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of talking investments, we spoke about leaseholds, HMOs and stuff. If just, just for you, for example, let's say you've got 100 grand, you're going to invest in a property tomorrow. What would you feel is a really good, safe, safe bet investment for a 10-year plan, say, um, that you would put your money into? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of people get to about 100 grand, whether it's savings, and they think that's a good level to invest. Um, I would say that's a dangerous level of money to invest in property um, because it's not quite enough to invest in some areas in the south. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you could potentially be tempted to, to invest it up north where um, property prices are obviously uh, a lot less. Um, you can potentially manipulate a good yield but you're buying a property with less control, um, with less capital value or appreciation um, and a property with tenants in that you have no control on that could possibly destroy that house and, and leave you spending more money year after year on. So uh, if you've got 100 grand in about, I think it's a dangerous amount. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, I think if you can then look at doing perhaps a joint venture with a partner or a family member, or you could potentially get that 100 up to 150. You could then look at buying in an area um, which is a good demographic, uh, which has a good five, 10 year forecast where you know property prices could potentially double uh, because of town or city um, progression. Um, uh, councils investing money heavily into new shopping centers, housing, and bringing people to add value to that area and that property. 
that would be where I think the wise money is. And then you can potentially look at rather than a, a buy to let property, a HMO. And the thing I love about HMOs is it does that allows you to add value to houses. Uh, it allows you to bring an income in where you could get an additional thousand to fifteen hundred pound profit a month on top of you know your salary just on one property. And it's easier to have a plan A, B and C reverting back to what I said earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at, let's say, uh, in an affluent area in Berkshire and Surrey, a purchase price of, let's say, five, 400 grand for easy maths. Let's say you put 20% into that, which is an 80 grand mortgage, stamp duty, renovation costs, preparation costs. You're probably looking not far from 140 to 150. Um, if that property can then generate you 10% immediate uh, equity, forced capital, uh, potential long term to go up in value significantly, um, and a, a profit of between a thousand to fifteen hundred pounds a month. I would say being patient or clever and making an investment like that, um, rather than a quick one, just because you've got that money or almost enough money in the bank, would be a better decision. So that's probably where my one fifty would go. Because what you're effectively looking at there is you're looking a bit more further on you've got a different perspective on it a lot of people might go right i've got enough to buy one but almost then potentially their money is locked up in that one because they've not forward planned so from your point of view you're thinking if you purchased one with a view of spending a little bit on it to make a little bit more money you can pull money out and go again whereas if you just buy one with maximum deposit and not spending too much on it because it didn't need a refurb yes you've got a property but your money's kind of trapped in there until the market climbs. So you're almost forcing the period quicker. Spot on. So you're, you're investing that money in a property you've got 5% below market value, which is you know very, very achievable in today's market. Um, you're adding 10% value to that property. So that's 15% value. You're immediately getting £1,500 income uh, a month, um, which allows you to change your lifestyle, put that away, save, save some more money. Um, and then potentially, in my opinion, People do try and take money out of houses straight away. For me, I always advise clients, uh, people I work with or consult to, um, to keep that property for two years. Um, Two years allows you to um, potentially save the profit you've made, understand the market, void periods, um, and it gives the market uh, a 24-month reflection on what it's really going to do. And then I think it's a safe uh, decision to say, right, I'm going to take some money back out of that and reinvest it. I think where people can be maybe too naive or maybe do one training course too many um, is they try and take that money out immediately. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I I don't think that's investing. I, I actually think that's gambling. So I certainly wouldn't teach that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's exactly what I would do. Great stuff. No, I really appreciate your insight <clears throat> into what you think is going to happen next, where you would put your money as well. It's always great when we've got someone that's been involved in property for many, many years just to get that inside because everyone's got different views on where they put their money. And I'm sure the four of us around this table might all have a slightly different view on it. And that's that's the great thing about it. But one going back on what you said about joint ventures. Are you seeing that becoming a little bit more popular now? Because I know a lot of I'm in that age bracket now where a lot of my friends that might be it might be a roofer, a plumber, an accountant. They're all different demographics, but they've got to that managerial point of view where got some kids, got family, successful careers. And they're now thinking, well, I've got a bit of cash, but actually a lot of people are talking about coming together with that cash to create a limited business and do something as a bit more of a 
property Avengers style attack on, on property investors. Are you seeing a lot of that as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been I've been supportive of joint ventures since I got into the education and consultancy side of property and helping other investors um, probably eight or nine years ago. And I, I just think it's a great way for more people to buy or for you as an individual to do more. Um, but most importantly, you can actually share strengths. So, Ian, I know you're a numbers man, um, you know, and a numbers man can contribute so much um, to a joint venture. And you might potentially joint venture with someone who has an, a, a lot of cash, um, but doesn't understand the market, isn't a numbers man. Mm -hmm. um, and you could be a perfect partnership and you could have a, a deed of trust with anything you purchase. You can have a very clean agreement between the two of you of what you both contribute. And you can have a 50-50 partnerships. You can go out and buy bigger or buy more. Um, you know, there's lots of people have time. Uh, a lot of people with money don't have time. So if you've got time and you can go out and you can find the right properties, work with agents, you know, um, and then you can potentially manage the properties and someone has, you know, some money to invest. Um, then again, it's a really good way of joint venturing. I think joint venturing, if you have a clean agreement, a clean deed of trust with properties you purchase is an absolute no brainer. Yeah, awesome stuff. And if anyone's listening and they want to have a chat with Peter, then uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Peter Licarinus, check him out. If, you, if you're listening and you're in the car, I'll put Licarinus, the correct spelling in the show notes. So don't worry about writing that down. You will get it in there and really appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming and joining the podcast. It's been a pleasure as always, guys. And yeah, anyone out there that wants to connect with me, then please do. It's uh, always nice to build our networks and, and share our networks. But thanks, guys. It's been great. So, gents, Pete's left the building, as we expected. It was a, it was actually a very interesting, detailed podcast. We thought we were going to have a room full of enthusiasm, passion, and craziness, but actually, there were some really logical, well thought out answers to the questions we fired at Pete. So, loved this podcast, Tristan. For you, what was the kind of biggest takeaway that you had from this episode? For me, it's his confidence of how the market's going. The fact he feels there will be a correction in the market that always is. But from his 20 years experience, plus he sees it bouncing back if there is ever a correction. And there's still many investors that are confident in the market as well that he's working with. So just having that confidence of where he sees things going. Yeah, he, he did say on the episode that investing is not a short-term game it's a long-term game and, and that's the type of people that he likes to work with is, is people that are long-term so yeah really logical point and whether you agree with it correction or not you know it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds what about yourself Mike? Yeah I'm interested that he's seen a drop in the number of inquiries he has but the quality has gone up now maybe that's he's improved his marketing funnels but it's something that we see as well is that the landlords who do come through to us are absolutely serious and they always buy. Mm. So maybe people are seeing the market is it's so difficult to buy at the moment that those people who go around and kick tires on a Saturday afternoon just don't exist because they know they're just never going to get anywhere near the right property for them. Yeah, I, I enjoyed, we, we spoke about joint ventures sort of in the middle of the podcast and for me, actually, reflecting on that, I sometimes forget that you need to have X amount of cash to actually go and invest in property, but only if you're doing it on your own. And actually, when I mentioned to him about, you know, say someone's got 100K set in their bank account, he actually sort of flipped it back and said, well, that might not be enough, but why not go 75, 75 with someone else? And when I think back to the properties that I've purchased, probably 25% of 
the properties I've purchased over my lifetime have been joint ventures. It might, might have been with my brother or a family member, but they've been joint ventures. And actually, it means the process of getting the property can be that much quicker. And it was a really, really valid point. So if there's people listening now thinking, right, I need to get to X to be in a position to go and get my next investment or start the journey. Maybe you don't need to be. So do reach out to us because we could potentially put you in contact with someone that you would work really well with. Or sometimes it's it's even just ourselves. But there is an opportunity for, for JVs to actually make your process faster, more efficient, share the wealth of knowledge between the two of you, share the workload on time. And, you know, some of the boring stuff can be shared between the two of you as well. And it doesn't just need to be two. It could be, you know, three, maybe gets a bit messy if it turns into four, but there's options there for people. And it was quite interesting to hear Pete talk about how you can diversify for a joint venture. So it's a great episode. Um, maybe we'll get him on for the third time. I don't know if you get a football like you do on Soccer AM if you get three. Maybe it's a hoodie. Must be a hoodie. I would Must call. be a hoodie. Must be Not a in hoodie. this weather, but maybe, maybe for later in the year. Absolutely. So, gents, see you next Friday. I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify. I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agents ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. You can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just open the floor out and just say, well, is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital gains yeah. tax, and obviously your stamp duty costs that you need to pay and whatnot. People don't realise what they need to prepare for. We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.